Hey guys, welcome to the Tokyo Lens Podcast, and as always, if you are a regular listener, welcome back. I'm really happy to have all of you here today. This is going to be a shorter episode, but one that I hope will bring you some value, and maybe even connect you with people who might change your life in ways that you never could have imagined. So a little bit of a backstory here. I recently noticed an increase in Japanese listeners. And well, first off, I want to welcome you. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Tokyo Lens. In fact, I want to welcome everybody who is new to the podcast and express a little bit of gratitude to all listeners for being a part of this journey. You guys know I am always happy to have you here. So for Japanese listeners, I have a little bit of a surprise for you. I have made a set of over 50 videos online that all have Japanese subtitles and are completely free. So whether you use this podcast to improve your English or you just enjoy the content, I will tell you a little more about that later. So getting into today's episode, I get a lot of questions from my Japanese friends about how to make friends from overseas and vice versa. Many of my non-Japanese friends and viewers of the Tokyo Lens YouTube channel want to know how to meet Japanese people when they come to Japan. The feeling is obviously very mutual. So I want to start today with a little bit of a story. The story is the story of my very first ever Sanja Matsuri. The year was probably 2008. It was May, as Sanja Matsuri is always in May. And I was out in Asakusa enjoying the festival for the very first time. Now, this was an exciting time for me. I had never seen a, like a festival of any kind this large. So for those of you who don't know what Sanja Matsuri is, Sanja Matsuri is one of Japan's larger festivals. In fact, it is one of the biggest Japanese festivals in all of Tokyo. This particular festival is based around something called Mikoshi. And what Mikoshi are are basically portable shrines that get carried on the shoulders of festival goers through the area. Now, some Mikoshi style festivals will only have one Mikoshi, but Sanja Matsuri is special because aside from having three main Mikoshi, there is a total of over 100 smaller Mikoshi carried through the entire area of Asakusa for a total of three days straight. It starts on Friday evening as all of these salarymen and business people come into the area, shed their suits, put on their festival clothes, 
and kick off the festivities carrying some of the portable shrines or mikoshi. On Saturday, everything picks up and it becomes not just a festival of mikoshi, but a festival of energy and excitement. There is so much culture in the air that it is just contagious. One of the very interesting sides of it is not just the the festival itself, but it's it's the little subcultures built within the festival. You see, obviously, there are festival goers who love carrying the mikoshi. There are festival goers who are just there for the yatai or food stalls. There are festival goers you're just there to enjoy the drinking aspect that comes at night. And there are festivals who, sorry, there are people who travel from across the country or even from outside of Japan just to join this festival. So needless to say, this is a really great way to kick off your time in Japan. When I first came to Japan, I had arrived somewhere around November. So by the time Sanja Matsuri hit, I had already had about six months of living in Japan under my belt. I was fairly comfortable and Sanja Matsuri was still quite amazing to me. I spent the first night just kind of walking around, taking a peek at the festival, seeing what it was like, having drinks with a couple people and such on and so forth. But it was on the second day, the Saturday, that things got really real. I was in Asakusa in a small street called Hisagodori. Now, I have talked about this on some of my YouTube videos. It is a shotengai or covered arcade located in kind of the back area of Asakusa. Now, as I was enjoying the festival and the group coming through, one of the gentlemen said, do you want to carry? His English wasn't perfect. In fact, his, his English was very broken. I don't even think he said, do you want to carry? I think he just said, you carry? At that point, he took off his hanten or hapie. It's basically a shortened kimono-style jacket that all of the festival goers wear. Each one represents the area or chokai that they are a part of. And he put it on me and shoved me into the crowds. Now, this was an exciting time. I had the opportunity to carry one of these Mikoshi for the first time. It was heavy. It was crowded. Everyone was pushing and everyone was smiling. It was a wonderful experience. And we stuck with this group, me and the friend that I was with, for basically the rest of the day. They insisted that I come along with them and we had a great time. When things wrapped up, they asked us if we would like to go out and have some drinks with them. I wasn't going to turn down the opportunity. And again, at this time, my Japanese wasn't perfect and their English wasn't quite perfect either, but we just kind of went for it. You see, that's one of the things that I love about the international world that we live in right now, because if you really have the hope for it, you don't need the perfect language skills. I have seen friend after friend communicate outside of their native language with people just 
based on gestures and small stuff like that. In fact, one of my favorite friends that I've ever had is a Chinese gentleman whose name I will not mention, but he uses a lot of gestures. I remember a situation from a few years ago where he was like, ah, oh, I, I was like, hey man, how are you? And he's like, oh, me, no good, no good. And I was like, why? He said, well, me, uh, my girl, I'm broken. I'm like, wait, you like had a fight? No, we finish. And I was like, oh, you broke up? Yeah, yeah, broke up, finish up. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. Are you okay? He says, no, not okay. You, me, beer, now. And it's right there, right there. That I will always remember the way he invited me to go for a drink with him because he was literally just like, you, me, beer, now. I couldn't say no. I was like, absolutely, yes, you, me, beer, now, let's do it. And we have been friends probably for the better part of a decade. His English has never really gotten much better, but he has no fear, and it's really easy to communicate with him. He's somebody that I have always enjoyed spending time with and enjoyed talking to. If you take a look at some of the other YouTubers in the YouTube community here in Japan, they have Japanese individuals on their channel who they are great friends with who are not fantastic at English, but they are able to communicate and have a great time. One of the biggest things is just not feeling the fear and the pressure to be perfect because we don't really need to be perfect. There are some people who really want to be perfect and I respect that and it's very, very understandable. But if your goal is simply communication and enjoying connecting with people, mistakes are forgivable here and there. So getting back to the story of Sanja Matsuri. So I went drinking with these gentlemen and probably until I'd say two or three o'clock in the morning when we parted ways and then met again on Sunday. Fast forward to the current year, 2019, and still every single year we have met at Sanja Matsuri. They are a great group of people. I have since joined a completely different chokai or group that I carry with. And so I, I don't really carry with them anymore, but they always send me messages and they're like, hey, are you going to Sanja Matsuri this year? And again, it's not even that. They say like Sanja this year and then like a question mark. And I just say, yes, you question mark. So we're using very broken language to communicate, but having a good time nonetheless. So I think that way more than sets the scene for the topic of today's podcast episode. And the topic of today's podcast episode, in case it hasn't already been super clear, is how to connect if you are Japanese, how to connect with non-Japanese who are visiting or living in the country and vice versa. If you are coming to Japan or you just moved to Japan and you're looking to make friends, how to meet Japanese people. 
Now, regular listeners of the podcast and regular viewers of the Tokyo Lens YouTube channel will know that when I first moved to Japan back in 2007, I was very, very unlucky with my timing. You see, just as I arrived here, a whole bunch, if not all, of my Japanese friends moved overseas for school or work or something. So when I arrived in Tokyo, I had, well, there was nobody here. That, that, it's that simple. So I used this as an opportunity to go out and try as many different methods as I could to meet people and make friends. Now, with it being 2019, there is an abundance of Different ways to make new friends or meet people from other countries online. In fact, this held true back in 2007, 2008 as well, but I feel it's even more true nowadays. There's not as much of a stigma built around meeting somebody online or making an online friend or online dating or any of that stuff. It's become a much more normal part of the process. But what I want to do today. Is I want to set aside the topic of meeting people online and focus as much as possible on meeting people face to face, in person, in real situations. So I'm going to go through a couple different ways that have proven effective for me and friends around me on how to meet people in Japan. So, that being said, jumping right into it, I think the biggest One is, it's very broad, but I'm just going to say events. And when I say events, I mean proper events. I mean some form of networking event, some form of proper party. One thing that, in my experience, I would really, really avoid is international parties. I think a lot of people go into these international parties hoping to make friends and meet people, and more often than not, come out disappointed at the experience that they had. Now, all things being considered, there is a few things that you should keep in mind. You know, just because you make one friend, making that person your entire life and building your time in Japan around that person. Probably isn't going to lead to the best results. And this is the thing that I've seen the most that leads to the breakdown of friendship or failure in Japan is somebody will come to Japan, they don't have that many friends or know that many people, they'll finally make one friend and they latch on to that person to the point where they, they give them no breathing room. And I've seen this in both directions. I've seen Non Japanese people come in and smother a Japanese person or a fellow non Japanese person. And I've seen vice versa. I've seen Japanese people who have been so attentive and hoping to make a North American or Western or Asian or European friend that when they finally lock into that one friend, they make that person their entire world. So It kind of goes without saying, and I, I don't mean for any of that to come off as condescending, but it is a good thing to watch out and make sure that you're not doing. 
Now, considering that I am recording this at the beginning of April, one of the prime opportune moments to go out and make friends is Hanami. I cannot tell you over the years how many friends I have made at Hanami. Just going to a major park, whether it be somewhere like Ueno or whether it be somewhere along the Meguro River, even maybe just hanging out somewhere around the Sumida River in Asakusa. Have a drink in hand, maybe bring a couple extra drinks with you. Now, there are, I, I want to approach this from two angles because the very first time that I ever made a friend at Hanami was because I was walking through Ueno Park and a very nice group of Japanese guys was like, hey, come drink with us, come drink with us. And I was like, cool, cool. And it just started out all the normal questions. Where are you from? How long have you been in Japan? All that normal stuff. And once you get outside of these really like average questions of where are you from? How long have you been in Japan? What do you do? And you start asking each other slightly more personal or interesting questions, the relationship really starts to bud. Now, this is one that I've had now had happen to me, I'd say the majority of years. In fact, whenever possible, I make it a point to just go out for an evening during the cherry blossom season solely for the purpose of making a couple new friends and meeting new people. Now, as the recipient of this kindness, one thing that I like to do I like to carry a couple extra snacks, maybe a couple extra drinks, so that if I get invited to drink with a group of Japanese people just sitting down and enjoying their time, I have something to contribute to that. It's all too easy to receive, 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 and forget to give, but it makes a huge difference, especially if you're looking to build a potentially longer-term friendship. So this type of thing of going out to events or networking events and stuff like that is one but very similarly and parallel to this is the idea of joining some form of club two types of clubs that i have seen many friends around me join into that are just minor examples because there are no shortage of clubs out there but something like an exercise or a jogging club and it's not just things like exercise, but I've also seen friends go out and do things like dodgeball or sports groups, join a basketball team, join something like an airsoft team. All of these give you access to a group of people that has the potential to become your friends. And it's very, very interesting because one of my friends who I've known since our days back in Canada is a part of like all kinds of these groups. Uh, she does exercise groups. She does the Spartan race. She does dodgeball and stuff like that. And the friends that she have made during these, these gatherings have become legitimate long-term friends that have stayed in her life. And actually, just quite recently, she invited me out to her birthday party when 
for this birthday party, she had actually invited a whole bunch of these people from different clubs. And the birthday party itself kind of became like a little networking event. In fact, I made quite a few great friends at that event. Some of them took me out for an amazing day of photography up in Chichibu, where we got pictures of a frozen waterfall. And I was out of uh, excuse me, and I was able to make like an absolutely wonderful video out of it. So these going out, I I guess the point, the point, if I haven't made it clear enough already, is making the effort to put yourself out there and join an actual legitimate club or activity with people who have similar interests to your own. If you don't have a deep set of interests, don't be afraid to go out there and try something And when it comes to getting out there and trying something, there's one really important point inside of all of this that I wanted to share with you. And that simple point is speaking to people. Now, this here, this is the thing that will be very difficult for some people. The idea of just smiling and talking to another person. In fact, I have made several friends over the years, especially in my early days in Japan, when I would be completely lost in an area or a station, just by having somebody smile, come up and be like, hey, are, are you doing okay? You look a little lost. In fact, a shining, shining example of this is... So I just moved into a new apartment like yesterday and I was doing unpacking today. In the unpacking, I decided, you know what, I want a beverage. So I jumped out to the convenience store and on my way back, there was a woman standing in front of my building, a slightly older woman. But the first thing she did is make eye contact and smile. And she's like, yo, you're, you're, you're the new tenant, right? And I said, yeah, yeah, I am. And she's like, oh, I'm from whatever floor. Uh, it's really nice to finally meet you. Um, can I tell you a little bit about the building, maybe about the area? And I'm like, oh, sh- sure. And then she's like, are, are you doing okay? You're not lost or anything? Do you, do you, have you figured out the area yet? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And then she was like, you know what? Well, if we get the chance, why don't we have coffee sometime? And I thought, well, that's really, really nice. It's nice to move into a place and have a neighbor who is that kind. And getting into the elevator later on in the evening, I had another neighbor who was just as friendly. Getting into the elevator, I always make eye contact. I smile. I greet. They greeted right back and they said, oh, how was your move? I noticed that you spread the move out over a couple days. I hope it wasn't too tiring or too busy for you. I was like, oh, no, it's fine. But this simple act of smiling and speaking to somebody can make all the difference. And again, as I said, this isn't something that comes naturally to everybody. In fact, to some people, the idea of smiling and speaking to a complete stranger will create so much stress and anxiety that you just want to go home and sleep. And I understand that. I understand that because I wasn't always the social and outgoing type of person that I feel like I'm becoming now. 
it wasn't always super easy for me just to walk up to somebody and say hello. In fact, pretty much until that time when I made friends at Sanja Matsuri back in 2007, I was always very afraid of being judged or shot down if I walked up to a random person in Japan. Because to me, Japan was always, you know, you, you can't really talk to somebody unless you already know each other, especially in Tokyo, maybe in Kansai. I feel people are a lot more open, a lot more friendly. They just talk to each other all the time. But in Tokyo, it's a really, really big city. And I feel like any big city, not just Tokyo, like London, Paris, New York, Toronto, people just stay in their own world. And so it's really hard to be the person who steps out of that, smiles, and says hello. That That's a huge challenge, I think, for anybody. But it's worth it. And it pays off. One of the things that helped me get to the comfort level that I am now with this is just stopping and thinking to myself, am I going to die? If I say hello to this person and they ignore me, will I die? And the answer is pretty much almost always, no, I'm, I'm not going to die. So I might as well just try it. Because even if 99 people ignore me, that 100th person might be the person who changes my life. Just like the way that Sanja Matsuri in joining that festival year after year after year has changed my life. I'm a part of the community Chokai now. I meet with them. We, we do planning for the events and everything together. They give me a space at the table during the festival. It is a fantastic experience that I never would have had if one kind Japanese man didn't hand me his jacket during the festival and say, go. So that being said, it's, it's really comes down to you and the level of effort that you are willing to put in. I don't think that we get anything for free in life. And so if we want to get something, we kind of have to give something. And when it comes to building a relationship or meeting new people, more often than not, the only thing we really need to give is the courage to just take the action and put in the work to go out to the event, to go out, join the club, whatever it is, and just meet people. So on that note, speaking of trying and everything being worth it, as I mentioned before, I've spent the last three days moving into my new home. It has been an adventure haul. Oh. Boy, the number of trips back and forth, getting mail forwarded, getting the gas and electricity set up, everything. It's, it's, um, let's say it's fun. Yeah, fun is a good word. Let's say fun. And I really wanted to get this podcast episode out to you guys today, like not tomorrow, not the next day. So actually, as I record this right now, it is currently 4.36 in the morning, and honestly, I, I am a little bit tired, and I have a long flight tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. I'm actually, my flight leaves in less than 12 hours, um, but again, 
I won't die and I'm not willing to wait two to three more days to record this episode and put it out, especially, you know, at the risk of maybe getting busy again. I just wanted to get this out to you guys today because I'm I'm genuinely happy to sit here and record it. Uh, the emotional reward for me for sharing this content with you guys is, is really high for me. So I hope that you guys are enjoying this episode as much as I am. Um, so the, the trip that I'm going on, I am heading to Vancouver in the afternoon. And there are actually two main reasons that I'm going to Vancouver. So regular listeners of the podcast will probably know the first reason is to manage and support two shamisen players, Tsugaru shamisen players called Kiki. We've done a lot of traveling together recently. Uh, Two months ago, we went to Italy. Last month, we went to Australia. This month, we're going to Vancouver. Next month, we're going to the States. We are just traveling all over the place. And supporting them and helping them do these jobs is has pretty much become my job. And I really, really love doing it. But the second reason, one of the reasons that I've really pushed and tried to make sure that I could go on this trip is because... I'm going to be creating some content, some videos for Yahoo Japan. So I tweeted on Twitter about this maybe a month ago. I don't know, maybe a month and a half. But you see, shortly after I quit my full-time job to focus on shamisen and creating, I had a meeting at Yahoo Yahoo here in Japan. So while Yahoo isn't super popular, you know, in North America, like Canada and the US, here in Japan, Yahoo is still a very, very major company. And a lot of people, their default search engine is Yahoo, or they will use the Yahoo app on their phone. And along with this app, there's a bit of a a timeline, a timeline of news and videos and everything like that. And I create videos for Yahoo. I actually have a Yahoo content creators. It's actually just called the Yahoo creators program account where they have commissioned me to make a certain number of videos every single month. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to link the channel in the podcast description. So if you want to watch any of these videos, you can check them out there. There is a little follow button. So if you have a Yahoo account, I would love it if you would hit that follow button and just join me. My Yahoo videos, a lot of them are a mix of the behind the scenes from the Yahoo or from the YouTube channel or the podcast. And on YouTube, I don't do so much food and drink. But on Yahoo, I love showcasing some of my favorite cafes or my favorite restaurants. Over the last couple of months, I have made videos from all over Japan and all around the world. I have made videos from all 
from as high as Sapporo and as low as Ehime, videos from Italy, videos from Australia. Next is going to be Canada. There's a lot of great content on there. And as I said at the beginning for Japanese listeners, all of that content also has Japanese subtitles. Each video is about one to three minutes. Some of it is re-edited content from my YouTube channel. And almost, I'd say the majority of the newer content is actually completely original Yahoo-based content. A lot of it is focused around food. So if you like food videos or if you just want to enjoy some Tokyo Lens content with Japanese subtitles there, feel free to go and check it out. Again, it will be linked in the podcast description. So guys, um, before it gets too late, I really want to start editing this episode and put it out for you guys. I hope that you got some value from this episode. I really think that it's amazing because there are so many people who just want to get out and meet other people. There are so many Japanese people who want to meet people from overseas and so many people who travel to Japan and want to make Japanese friends. And the biggest challenge is just finding each other. So if this episode gave you any value or even gave you the feeling that you might be able to find and make a friend... I would really, really appreciate it if you would take two seconds and go to iTunes and leave a review. Every review really, really helps me out and makes my day. Otherwise, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I think our next episode will probably be from Vancouver, Canada. I cannot wait to talk to you guys again. I hope you have a great day afternoon, evening, whatever it is. And you know, I will talk to you again real soon.